Hello and good evening, Mr. Bond fans. This is Blunt Instruments. That's going to be good. Cool. All right. <clears throat> Luke, you want to do the intro? Not after that. No. <laughs> let's just let's just start. I think we should just start talking. This buddy. Hey. Thank you so much for coming on here. And thank you no, for doing that you. intro. No, thank you for asking me on. This is lovely. <laughs> I got so I got to tell you. I've we've had many people on the show and I try to do as much research as possible, but you and obviously a select group of people I've already known as far as content wise long before this podcast existed, but I did decide to go way back oh, in the no. archives. Yes. Oh, that's dangerous. So no. is, the, is the die another day video. Is that the very, is that your first one? Oh, that's actually not. Uh, but there are ones prior to that that I don't have on YouTube anymore because okay. I just die of cringe every time I see them. <laughs> yeah. So, see, so, the, yeah. The die another day one though, because okay, so my YouTube channel is like two months old. Okay. And David Zaritsky's been very, very kind and mentoring me through the YouTube game. But, and like he'll like do an out, he'll be recording something for Instagram and he'll out of the blue text me and he'll be like, see, like we all still fuck up. And it's like him <laughs> and he's just like, hey, it's David. Oh, fuck you. And you know what I mean? So, like, whatever. So, when, but see, the thing is, like, I go back seven years or whatever it was and watch your Die Another Day video. And the, as far as, like, obviously just technology wasn't as good back then, but Oof, your, yeah. your comedy is still completely on point, intro's on point. Like, you've been killing this shit, buddy, for a very oh, long you. time. I just oh, that's very kind. Oh, it's no, that's really true. kind. It's very, very true. Yeah. No, the, the Dine of the Day one is one that I'm I'm like, uh, uh, it's the least cringe of like that first like run where it's like, it, it's you're recording it on like a little DVR camera, like taking mm -hmm. the disc out, putting it in your computer, ripping the footage for it. Like, right. it's crazy. Like, uh, yeah, how much technology has come this far. But uh, yeah, no, thank you for that. It's really kind. Yeah. Calvin, how, how long would you say back then it would take you to create a video of content? like Ooh. versus now like time wise like and in, in, you know creatively like uh oh that's a really good question it was probably uh oh it might have even been similar but the different the difference being i would spend just as long on like one of the big film review videos but the difference would be that there back then it was much shorter like that was a time where youtube wouldn't allow you to upload anything beyond 15 minutes so everything had to be in like 15 minutes um and i was editing on windows movie maker which is not the best <laughs> editing software no, uh, i can't not. imagine i don't even know if it's still going anymore but um, yeah, and back then I was a student when I started. So it was like on a 
summer break when I was at university started doing it so just had all of this free time with nothing to do so I just kind of uh plugged away at that but I I probably do spend more time on it now but it's uh you know it's spread over many evenings or weekends or whatever Mm -hmm. so would you say you have like more of like a a routine now versus back then when it was kind of like on the fly obviously like over time you've gotten more comfortable but Mm -hmm. Is there like a method to your madness or are you more or less like, oh, you know, like this is what I have lined up down the road. And then, you know, you'll throw a couple curveballs in there every once in a while. Uh, it's still really, there's still very little method to it, unfortunately. It does kind of just come and go like, you have to just be in the mood for it. Because I mean, I don't know if it's same with, like, I hate podcast editing. Like I did a bit of that a few years ago. I don't know how you guys do it because that uh, is. That's, that's all Luke, 100%. I don't know Shout how out. you do it then, Luke. Very, like... very, very half-assed. <laughs> well, I, I need some kind of like visual something to keep mm. me engaged with it, I think. Because it is a hobby at the end of the day. So it is just a case right. of, do you feel in the mood for it? Nah, okay then, well. Or, I mean, certainly this year, I've certainly got into a habit of every Sunday, I've had a video to upload. So I guess that's about as much routine as I'm in currently. But in the last couple of years, it, I've been quite sort of frequent, but um, it took a while to get there. I've been on YouTube for like 11 years now, which is crazy that it mm-hmm. feels, feels like, does not feel like it's been that long. Wow. But um, yeah, like ages ago, it'd just be like, you know, if I just fell out of the habit of it or the mood just didn't, you know, catch me or whatever, then months would go by and I just wouldn't do anything. Yeah. But now I just feel like I'm in a, yeah, kind of a, a rhythm with it. I'm sure it's pandemic related <laughs> more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. as far as the, you mentioned Sundays, is that like an accidental or like a convenient regimen or do you feel Sundays is the best time to upload like statistically? Oh no, it, it was purely out of, uh, I, it happenstance at the start of this year, I just noticed like, oh, I've done three uploads just on Sundays. I'll just kind of keep this going. And then it's quite handy because for editing wise, like I, you know, work during the week, um, nine to five. So having that Saturday there to pretend, you know, potentially spend a good deal of time editing to then upload on the Sunday, uh, it just worked out nicely in that regard as well. Sundays, I'm not sure if that's a good time to like upload statistically. Um, I think like, like Thursday and Friday evenings are the best or something like that. Um, but yeah, so so there's that that that's just it just sort of sprung up really out of chance more than anything. Yeah, so the opposite of what I do. <laughs> Thursday <laughs> and Friday, I'm like Monday morning, like oh this is gonna kill. Eight views <laughs> later, forty five <laughs> four hours. Um, well, YouTube's weird because it just show you like it, it has like a thing that says when your viewers are on the you know on, right. online and it sort of gives you these indications. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it, it's really weird, the whole YouTube algorithm thing. Like, I know that there are so many tips and hints for, do put this in your thumbnail and mm-hmm. upload it this time and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a hobby, so I just do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, when's convenient now, really. Is there a, sorry, I'm just going to roll. I have all, like a ton of questions for you. <laughs> oh, <no>, sure. <laughs> um, is there a particular episode that you're absolutely proud of? or a moment with your channel that you feel like you really like had success that really sticks out in your mind? Ooh, oh, that's God. That's a really good question. Um, I, well, there's, there were quite a few videos that I'm like quite 
pleased with at the time. So like right now, a couple of weeks ago, I uploaded uh, a, like a 50 minute long of you to a kill review, which I'm mm -hmm. always like, whichever is the most recent one, I'm normally kind of quite proud of. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I quite like that. And then I'll go back like six months and rewatch two minutes of something else. And I'll just be like, oh no, I, I don't know. It's just like a constantly evolving thing. So it, it does tend to be whatever the most recent is. Um, I tell you, there are two videos that I that I thought turned out really well that nobody watched, and I'm quite sort of like unsurprising really that nobody watched mm -hmm. them. But it was uh, a chitty chitty bang bang review that I did ages ago <laughs> as like a Christmas thing. Which fair play, I know that's not exactly. I know there are Bond connections there, obviously, yeah. but perhaps it is not the uh, same kind of content that a lot of Bond fans watch. Um, but that was one that I was really proud of. And then I was like, oh, didn't quite get as many views as I would have liked. Right. And the second one was the, uh, uh, it was a little video on a, a promotional film for You Only Live Twice that had Desmond Llewellyn and Lois Maxwell as Q and Moneypenny. Um, and just sort of making fun of that. And uh, yeah, I really liked that one. Uh, yeah, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> oh, no, it did. Absolutely. Yeah. We like raw answers here. Oh, okay. yes, please, please. The A View to a Kill one was good because the very beginning I was laughing because of the whole five days to Alaska thing with just champagne <laughs> and Roger Moore. So, all right, here, let's 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 segue here, though. Hmm. So, because the YouTube thing we can talk about for hours, which we will. I mean, not hmm. hours, but, you know. So, what where did it begin for you? Why, why James Bond? Because as far as I can tell, and I think, I mean, doesn't make me, you know, a genius, but I'd say 95% of your YouTube channels bond related. So what, what is it about bond? Was it something as a kid? I'm assuming, where did it all start for you with bond? Oh, with Bond, it was, uh, I think it's like most of us, isn't it? So like watching it with mostly, you know, parents, dad, relatives, uh, as a kid, uh, I still remember like Moonraker was the first Bond film that I saw in its entirety. I can't remember whether my first awareness of what James Bond was came from the films or from the GoldenEye video game, which I definitely have very fond memories of playing with my friends at the time. And I think I must have known who Bond was as a person, like when I got Moonraker, because I, I have some vague awareness of having it. But I, you know, my aunt bought me that as like a birthday gift on VHS mm -hmm. along with Diamonds Are Forever because I was a big Star Wars fan. So it was like, oh, you like sci-fi. Well, this is sci-fi. So you'll like right. this. And um, it, so, this, so that those are the first two films that I saw. And then it kind of went from there. And, you know, I bought the cars and it was, I was around about 12 years old the time Dying of the Day came out. So there was all the big 40th anniversary stuff happening, which was a really great time to be a, a fan. And particularly at that age when it was a little bit sort of, you know, campier and they had a lot more toys and merch and all that right. kind of stuff. Um, and then that kind of segued into doing YouTube stuff when I went to university. And like I say, I was, um, had a summer where I didn't have much to do. I was in a big shared house. Um, but all of my housemates had gone home for the summer because they all lived in different parts of the UK and I'd stayed in that student house. And I was like, God, I've got all this time on my hands. I'll, I'll rewatch the Bond films, but I want to do something slightly different with it. Or you know, I, was, I had a blog at that time, which was just typing. So I was like, maybe I'll do a blog. And then I was a big fan of, I'm not sure if anyone watches him anymore, but the Nostalgia Critic, Doug Walker, um, Channel Awesome, that whole kind of content creator sort of thing, um, Angry Video Game Nerd. And so it just sort of did kind of that kind of review style that they invented, but for mm -hmm. Bond, um, which mainly involves sort of like going through the films and taking the Mickey and sort of making jokes as you go through. Right. Um, 
Yes, that's kind of how it started. But uh, like, uh, I was honestly like, it, I might have done an Alfred Hitchcock channel <laughs> if the mood was uh, different right. on the day. But the thing that came down to it was that, well, they're going to make Bond films. They're not going to make any more Alfred Hitchcock films. So, that's uh, very true. That, yeah, that's where it sort of came came from. Uh, so yeah, as a kid, as a kid in the UK, do you, I mean, this is, you know, I guess subjective for Lorenzo and I being stateside, but is is Bond do they like just pump you with bond especially <laughs> back then because here it was you know that's a great question dude. yeah like i'm like wondering a, that myself yeah a bond movie comes out here especially like when i was a kid like die another day was big everything's big but it's only yeah. when a film's coming out like aside from that you know there was like we had spike tv here that did the marathons but other than those really those two things they don't really it's not heavily marketed here unless something's coming out is it different over there Oh, I'm not sure it's heavily marketed when there isn't a film coming out, but there is always a Bond film on free TV, like not even on like, right. you know, a subscription service or anything. It's all on the ter terrestrial um, TV. And that's kind of how it has stayed in the public consciousness so long here, I think, because it is like literally any, you know, night you can probably turn on one of the channels and there will be a Bond film on there. Mm. Um you mentioned Spike TV. Was that like a subscription service or? No, no, it was. No, like it was a, yeah, it Go was ahead. like a channel on, on cable, like just. Oh, okay. And so they would have other stuff. Like, didn't they have like wrestling or something on there, dude? Or yeah, it, I, like extreme. I, it was kind of like honestly, it was like a. It was like marketed as like man's TV. Yeah. As oh, okay. as barbaric yeah. as that sounds, it was literally like <laughs> this. This channel is for fucking dudes, man. And I was just like, man, okay, a channel man. that I would only watch unless Bond was on because I was yeah. never into wrestling or half the other shit they had on there. Yeah, but does it kind of move around? Like, do different channels get like a license to show the films over mm. a particular time? Or uh... I mean. Before Spike TV, I'm not sure. Afterwards, I think we started getting like you know, like Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. And every once mm -hmm. in a while, you'll see like I think Netflix currently has like Casino Royale and Quantum Souls right. on their list. And I think it ends at the end of this month. And I don't think anyone's gonna really have anything until the movie comes out. Yeah. And before so, that, they had the Brosnan films, so it yeah. is very specific. Uh, right. And then there's like yeah. that Pluto TV yeah. that has yeah, I think all of them yeah. or most of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because Bond on TV is such a like institution here. Um, yeah. And it, to, to the point that when it was all of the whole Amazon are buying MGM thing, that was like a big people were talking about like, what does this mean? Bond won't be on the ITV channels anymore because he's always on the ITV channels. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I think that's mainly how it stays in the consciousness. Um, yeah. Interesting. So do you think like with the current aspect of Bond, like and like this era of Bond ending, what are you hoping for going forward? Like, do you, what changes would you like to see with the character or none at all? Like what, where, mm. which, where do you land on that spectrum? Well, totally. I'm one of the, I'm one of the people who'd like it a bit lighter again, like Pierce Brosnan and Roger Moore are my two favorites. So something more akin to certainly, certainly with the Pierce Brosnan tone, I don't think they could ever quite go back to the same, if they went back to that Roger Moore tone, I think they'd be accused of parody, self-parody more than anything mm -hmm. else. But um, yeah, that, the, the Pierce Brosnan tone I really like. I don't know if we'll get that. I think that uh, just, you know, the the uh, landscape of cinema has changed so much that I think that 
there, there has to be some kind of continuity through it now for them to sell it. I'm not quite sure if, like back in the day, they could just do a new Bond film every year and it'd be more or less the same, but with a few tweaks here and there and audiences would be fine with that. But now because we have all of the films so readily available at any time, it's kind of like, the, the you know the worst thing would be coming out of a Bond film and thinking like oh well that was another one <laughs> like you know mm. um, so I I don't know I I wonder if they're gonna keep on going down a more uh, yeah a stronger line of continuity like they have done with Craig obviously they'll start anew but um, right. yeah I have a feeling that it's still gonna go that way I don't Luke, know. what are you hoping for that I, was I a great question I'm... because I was gonna uh, ask okay. something very similar. Um, <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't know what I'm hoping for, but the thing is, Kelvin, I knew through talking to other people and I couldn't remember if it was that you were a huge Sean guy or a huge Roger guy. And I, I was positive it was Roger and you obviously just touched on it. So to piggyback off Lorenzo's question, in a perfect world, would you prefer just a new, a new actor with a complete Roger Moore style or and, and I guess a second way to ask the question, do you like the direction the franchise has gone? And aside from, you know, what's what's publicly or, you know, widely accepted personally, on, in your opinion, do you like where the franchise has gone? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, it, I mean, it's been kind of heaven and hell for me, like the Craig era. Uh, Casino Royale and Skyfall are two of my very favorite films mm -hmm. of the entire series. Mm -hmm. Quantum, of, Quantum and um, Spectre are my two most bottom, like, of the barrel of the franchise. So that's, uh, so it's tough. I, I feel like the stakes are higher now. It is either a love it or hate it thing. Um, whereas I think comparing that to Roger's era, um, and maybe it was different when you were seeing them coming out in the cinema at the time, but there is a consistency there, more or less. Uh, you know what you're getting when you go in, like with No Time to Die, I'm sort of like, I don't really know what I'm gonna get when I sit down to watch that. I'm mm -hmm. just hoping that it's gonna be great. And maybe that's more interesting. Maybe that's more exciting, wondering if you're gonna love it or hate it instead of um, just sort of knowing what's on the tin. Um, I think I, I would probably have preferred it going back to the Roger style with just individual episodes um, and very little of an overarching thing. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, like I never thought I'd be in a position where I'd be excited to see what they're going to do with Madeline Swan. And yet right. here I am, like, I really can't <laughs> wait to see what Leia Sadu is going to do. And right. I, bringing back Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, I never thought I would want to see either of those characters again. And yet here I am, I'm like, okay, interesting. Yeah. Do you think there's an opportunity here for No Time to Die to kind of make Spectre a better movie? Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah, because um, mm. I did a, I did like a back-to-back -back Craig marathon um, a couple of oh, months that. ago where I just yeah, sat down and just watched the whole all of the films through. It gave me a totally new appreciation of what he's doing performance-wise. But it does, so it, it depending on how, it, how No Time to Die plays, it could feel like this sort of five act structure um, and and maybe, ah, but saying that actually, when I was watching the marathon, I ended up coming away from uh, from it liking Quantum of Solace less. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe I like oh, Spectre less. That's not wow. what I expected you to say. Uh, me not either. I you to say. Yeah, I don't think it plays very well, like, right. Have, have you ever done like a marathon of the Craig, like the whole day mm -hmm. sort of things? Yeah, yeah. Did, did yeah. you feel like any of them suffered or got better? Um, for me personally, I think when I've watched them through, Skyfall kind of balances out 
um, specter for me. It makes it a little okay. bit more palatable. Yeah. Um, I don't hate specter as much as other people. I actually don't mind it. I, it does have flaws like clearly, but I think for me, like equation wise, it, there's a lot of balance there. Um, the, it was mm. the execution that, that kind of was lacking. And yeah. the last, you, you just, it just leaves yeah. you wanting more from that film. And that's why I'm like, kind of like, kind of hoping that this new film will like kind of tie up those ends we didn't get in the in mm. inspector. So like more from Madeline Salon, more from Blofeld, like it still boggles my mind. They have Christoph Waltz and that's all we get from him performance wise. I'm just like, what were you thinking? Like, like, you know, yeah. but who knows, like maybe like his little, you know, his, his moment in this new film will like kind of tie that up nicely. So, yeah. See, Kelvin, you mentioned the five part, like kind of arc. And that's interesting to me too, because I don't know if you saw that article, very recent Daniel Craig saying the only reason he came back is because no time to die is tying in something with Vesper and all these things. Mm. So if you yeah. look at it as a whole, it's, you're right. It's a completely different thing. So another question as far as the older films. So me personally, whenever a new one comes out, I don't think I, I truly don't think I have the ability to critique it whatsoever. And I mm. think it's simply because of how long it took in between films that I'm just thankful that it's here. So yeah. I, I look at it more like, okay, Bond's back. Look at how he's dressed. Like the sartorial items are just through the charts. Like Spectre. I look at Spectre like, out of anything sartorial I own that most of it's from that film. Mm. So then I look back and I'm like, yeah, this isn't as good as definitely not as good as Skyfall. And I don't even think it's as good as quantum, but I also didn't like quantum. So mm. as far as rating the films, do you feel like it's easier to get a gauge on how good of a film is when it was like it was in the past or was it every year versus now when it's, you know, it could be five, six years between a film mm. or does I it kind of hinder it? I think ooh, it probably is harder. I think it takes more time to uh, settle into the, you know, into the timeline. Um, it's really hard because I'm kind of like you where it's the first time I watch it. It's like a, not a religious experience exactly, but mm -hmm. it's, it's an immersive experience. It's sort of like I'm just in it. And um, it's very few things that I feel like I used to do that a lot with things when I was a teenager, like watching a film and just be totally like in it. I feel like I've lost some of that, you know, getting right. older. I'm not sure if you're the same, but- No, uh, I, I am 100, 100 million percent the same. It's a problem. It's a huge yeah. problem. No, I, it's really bad. I don't know if it's like the smartphone like symptoms, which is why like, I take my phone and put it in another room sometimes when I'm watching a film because <laughs> I just don't want to mm -hmm. have that, even the temptation of it, but- Bond films are one of the things where it's like every time there's a new one, it is just like, I, it's impossible for me to really articulate that much about it immediately after seeing it because it has just sort of all washed over you. Um, yeah, I think with the uh, last like season of Game of Thrones as well, that was something where mm -hmm. I was really like, oh, wow, I'm just experiencing this. This is great. Um, and then afterwards you sort of like, oh, actually, maybe, <laughs> maybe I just not like that as much. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But when you're just in the moment, just experiencing yeah. it, it's like, oh, yeah. So For I think Game that's why Thrones, it takes, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so that, that's why I think it takes a while to sort of settle yeah. into the, into the See, group. And that's interesting too, because the smartphone thing is, it's completely real. It's completely mm -hmm. real. And I've noticed it more in the last couple of years that I really can't 
I mean, it's a shame because I'm huge cinephile, huge. And I have since I was a kid, starting with my grandmother to my mom, just the things that I was, I was watching movies like Foul Play and Silver Streak from the seventies when I was like six, you know what I mean? So I've been, it's been ingrained, but lately it's so hard. But aside from the smartphone thing, it's like, you know, something like when quantum came out, I remember seeing that in the theater thinking, Oh, this is fantastic. Like for a million different reasons. Like I went with my ex-girlfriend. I was like, look, shirtless. Like, look at this guy. It's unbelievable. And then two (laughs) scenes later, I was like, Oh my God, like the cars are two different colors, but it's supposed to be a direct and continuation, but I don't care. Cause this is awesome. <laughs> and then 10 years later, I'm like, what the hell is, re-? you know what I mean? So I think the re- only reverse experience I've ever had with it was in Skyfall. And I saw it for the very first time. And I saw it seven times in theater, not a joke. The That's very amazing. first time I know. And the seven was accidental too. When he, when Silva pulls his teeth out, I thought a completely unnecessary and B so fake. Yeah. And I was, I was pissed. Like it completely ruined it for me. And then after seeing it like second and third, I was like, I, this movie can do no wrong. So it was the yeah. only time I've had an opposite experience, but I think with them coming out so far apart from each other, you're just mm. dying for one to come out and all the legal things that seem to happen every time in between the two, it, it hinders my ability to actually be, you know, critical of these films. That's yeah. funny because that story just made me think about, so I didn't see Skyfall that many times, but I did see Spectre. Uh, I ended up seeing Spectre 10 times in theaters. Oh, and, wow. the, and the only reason I saw it 10 times is because they did that like uh, regal um, steel uh, all you can watch card. So I bought that and I was like, it was a hundred bucks. So I was like, I'm getting a hundred dollars worth of value out of this thing. So, so <laughs> 10 was the number. So I went and saw it 10 times. And I think it was around like the fourth or fifth time I started realizing like the dead spots in the film, mm-hmm. like where it kind of drags. And I'm like, Oh, why did I notice this before? And it's like, what Luke said, it's just like a very, um, you're just too amped up. You're too mm-hmm. like, just like, Oh, bonds back bonds back. Like, and it just, it consumes you, you know, you're just like, I don't give a shit literally could be the worst bond film ever made, but I'm just excited to see a new bond film, you know, Mm -hmm. but then it just settles in and then, you know, the magic wears off and then you're like, okay, well now I can critique it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm sorry, guys. I have like a huge gust of wind going on here in Vegas. So I'm like muting my mic off it, and on. It sounds either like wind or a cat being absolutely mauled in your kitchen. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's windy here. So I keep muting it. So I'm sorry about that. No, you're okay. Um, okay. So I, I remember the question. So Calvin, as far as, and in my, my experience, this is without saying the unpopular opinion, but do you prefer the dialogue and the story or do you prefer the action and you know the explosions what side of the bond films do you prefer oh that's really tough oh because when the dialogue is done well and it's like um casino royale for instance is just like that train scene between bond and vesper is just Mm -hmm. brilliant it's it's incredibly well written and like that's that's a film where you go for such a long time like the Miami airport action sequence is like the last big bit of action until like the house sinks at the end. And I know Skyfall's kind of similar um, in terms of the romantic three big action set pieces and then little flurries in between. As long as it's done well, you kind of don't mind it. Whereas something like Quantum of Solace, which I think has 
a lot of action like it's it never kind of stops um but i'm just not that engaged in the story so actually i yeah i guess i've answered my own question there i think i am probably more a bit about dialogue mm -hmm. and story than um than action but that being said i think the yeah at the end of the day, I think the action probably complements the story and the dialogue. And if you can sort of say something about the character as well through the action scenes, like again, to cite Casino Royale, that whole um, free running chase at the start of that is so great when you think it's Craig's like first big action moment. And we're just getting these little details about his character when he's like bursting through the drywall and right. all that kind of stuff. And it's, just, it's really nice when they can excite you and also tell you something about the character. Right. Um, whereas, but then, you know, saying that Spectre, I don't think had good action or terribly good writing. So mm -hmm. that's probably, yeah. Where do you guys stand in that? Luke, do you want to go first? I'm, I'm very heavily into the story and the dialogue, especially yeah. when it comes to Daniel Craig. I just mm. think, I don't know if it's just because of how good of an actor he is and his, um, you know, his theater background or whatever it may be, but for me, it's like, so for Spectre, for example, like I would watch the Lamarican scene over, mm -hmm. you know, the Range Rovers in the snow scene 10 right. out of 10 times. It's just, and those not that either of those are particularly good examples. I'm just saying, you know, it's when, when there's some sort of background and there's some sort of moment between two characters, that's what I, I long for. But, yeah. you know, Lorenzo, what do you, what do you think? Um... I'm I am definitely more on the dialogue side, but I do like action. So like the examples I'm going to use is like Quantum of Solace at the end, tons of action, no dialogue. I struggle with that because I need yeah. something. I need something with what's going on. You know, I need some sort of like buildup and like that little chat he has with Camille before they go in. It's just like, mm -hmm. that's it. You know, like yeah. it just kind of like left me like wow they really decent, ran out but, of ideas but decent here. though right like not was, not one of the worst parts in the film that's no i i enjoyed the action thing. like don't get me wrong i enjoyed the action but no no like, no. i'm saying that that little pep talk he gives Camille oh yeah yeah that was fine somebody that but then, that's like a decent but then afterward it was just like you know he has that great one-liner to to you know that great like, little little tit tat with um green and then it's just like the way he says bye to Camille is just so weird. Like to me, that was like weird. the weirdest goodbye ever. And I was like, mm -hmm. this is odd. But I mean, I do like Quantum of Solace. Um, it has grown with me over time. If I could have it my way, I would like take the style from Quantum and put that into Casino Royale. And then I think yeah. Casino would be completely perfect. Because like some of the things Daniel wears in, in Casino Royale, like I feel like too big on them or you know it just doesn't look yeah it is just like is a it was a fashion trend change you know in between those two films so that's the only thing i would change about casino royale other than that but um when i think of specter like the point chase scene like you just brought up like i do find that like a little you know i love the scene when bond talks to q and you know mm. he gets his watch of course you know because i'm a watch freak but um you know the car and like just the little back and forth between them you know with the cats and all that you know it just that i think is very important but it's the build-up it, it's the planting of of like oh yeah you know it has a rather large it has a loud alarm you know like it's like you know foreshadowing and mm -hmm. i love that because it is setting up those action sequences mm -hmm. but yeah so dialogue definitely i want more dialogue and i want a stronger storyline and I'll take less action like in Casino Royale. But I mean, 
you just gotta kind of pick your spots i think it's all about balance mm -hmm. you know humor um good dialogue storyline and then you know obviously these big set pieces like if you mm -hmm. can master those that balance of all four of those things i think that's when you get a really exceptional film mm -hmm. Do we think that there's a um, direct correlation with the fact that the two, uh, you know, more critically successful films have less action than the other two? Mm. Things I, think, I think I think so. I think they're because you're relying more on the storyline to to kind of carry it. Um, and again, every film for the most part has like some some parts that are going to drag a little bit. But mm -hmm. I felt like with Casino, it was because you're going from location to location to location to location and it's like they're it's very elaborate when they are in these locations it's not like when it was inspector it was just like i'm at this clinic and they're kidnapping her and it's just like you know it's just like boom boom like it's just so fast it's all about the transitions and mm -hmm. i feel like in skyfall and and casino they like nail it like it's just they have really good transitions into each individual location so yeah no, no no i i very much agree yeah no but i would I, so i was gonna ask you do you feel the older films have a better balance of action and dialogue versus the new ones well, it's tough because they're such different beasts uh like i'm thinking of like some of rogers which work more as comedies than right. you know straight up action films or something like diamonds are forever actually which is obviously connery like i think the dialogue in that is really witty and some of the like nicest one-liners in the entire series in that Mm -hmm. um i love the back and forth in when he's with the um you know the fake undertakers the mobsters and like i had a brother and all that kind of stuff is just so funny the cause and cuffs match all that is really great but it works on a different level like diamonds are forever is not a film that i watch for the action and it feels like even the film takes the piss out of its own action sequences when he's driving around in that moon buggy and right. the music goes all bup, 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 and it's oh no right. you're not even taking your own action sequences seriously how can i possibly get excited by this mm -hmm. um so it's different it's weird in a film series like bond i guess where it's so eclectic and there's such a weird mix of different styles um but in the ones that i i, I think there are some that work as just like straight up action films like i think you live twice is a really good like straight up one of the older action films mm -hmm. um majesties too yeah so this this might be a tough question actually it is a tough question good what is your so when casino royale came out a lot of people said it's not a, a bond film so they could say it's a it's a good bond film but it's a great film what would you say if you had to pick one of the 24 that we have seen what would you say is like the all-encompassing perfect representation of a bond film oh perfect representation um in your opinion hmm. Uh, I'd probably say Goldeneye, actually. Like, that is my favorite of the series. And I know that it is leaning a bit more into kind of, it's what a perfect modern Bond film is, I think. Mm. Um, whereas I, I get... I can't I think, argue with that one. <laughs> I, can't right, like, I can't argue with it either, but I'm actually surprised. That I'm wasn't my answer, surprised. but I can't argue with that one. What, actually, what would your answers have been? I, I honestly don't think I could answer it, <laughs> but I just thought you would have, you would have went older. Like I, I honestly, like I would say, see golden eyes. That's a great answer. If I had to yeah. just answer like that, I'd say something like from Russia with love. Right. Mm. 
for me it's it's goldfinger and it's goldfinger because it's just like once that's when everything kind of came together so Mm -hmm. like you know you get the aston martin you have q you have you know you have this villain that's you know bigger than life you know Mm -hmm. and um you have a great bond girl and it's just like i love that you know like i felt like from rush with love i thought the style of that film was excellent but it just left me wanting more you know mm-hmm. action wise right. um so i feel like goldfinger just kind of like the sneaking around and and the beginning and the white talks and all the elements of bond are in that film for the first time and it just feels right to me so that's why i always go to that answer but hearing you say golden Mike calvin it's true like i mean one of my favorite my favorite villain of all times in that movie um yeah it's you know the the aston martin in the hills racing the ferrari like you know mm-hmm. i always seem to forget that that scene happens for some reason i don't know why but it just like i was thinking about it, i was like huh it's like is the db5 in this film yeah it's in this film and there's like a lot of great scenes when he pulls up to the casino and you know he drops the line and that's very you know dr no like it's there are a lot of good notes in there and i've never thought of it that way so when you said that i was just kind of like well that is a good answer Oh, well, I think I think it's because I I agree with you totally. Like on Goldfinger being the like the classic sort of like blueprint for you know that until you know Living Daylight's License to Kill that was kind of exa- you know what they were trying to do more than anything else. I think Goldeneye for me anyway because it it aces like everything. <laughs> it's like got great Bond girl, henchwoman in Zenya, villain in Alec. It's got great gadgets. You know, so much of my favorite stuff is in that. I feel like that's where it all kind of got perfected. And I think it's 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 a great modern Bond film because obviously they're addressing that he is like quite an old fashioned character in the modern world. And that whole scene with Judy Dench where she's like, you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur and all that kind of stuff. Like it, 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 it's not meta exactly, but it is kind of um, looking in on itself and analyzing itself really and sort of making itself relevant in the modern world and saying like, no, actually this isn't all antiquated and old fashioned. This is actually really useful and the world needs this, um, which I think is uh, is really interesting. I feel like of all Brosnan's films, actually, Goldeneye still stands out as like the most modern. Like I can still watch Goldeneye and there's something about it, I, the filmmaking, the editing, the energy something about it that feels more modern and contemporary than even the ones that came after it i think mm-hmm. um I, I don't know what that is if it's just martin campbell being a brilliant director or what but yeah obviously Goldeneye, phones and technology dates it but yeah, goldeneye is incredible to me let me so let's let's discuss goldeneye for a second since mm-hmm. it's just the best what is your <laughs> what is your favorite goldeneye moment and what is your least favorite goldeneye moment if you want to start with least favorite if that's easier Oh God, I don't know if it is least favorite. Um, like we'll, we'll say like cringiest scene, least favorite scene um, or something mm. that bothers you about it. Oof. Do you want to go first on that? If you have anything, because I might need to think about this. <laughs> I just it's hate when to... he says he can't breathe in the way he says it. Yeah. I just hate that. <laughs> well, you, oh, you, had, you were traumatized as a child. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Kelvin, if you haven't heard the story, I was, I was, God, this is going to turn into another Tag Hoyer story. Um, <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> um, we were like in my backyard and it was like eight of us playing football or whatever. And we, we did like a stupid dog pile thing because it's just stupid. And I was at the bottom and I was like, all right, like, get up. I can't breathe. I said it like that. So for years, 
my two friends that are brothers were like, Hey Luke, I can't breathe. And they were convinced that that's how I said it. I was like, so you're telling me if I literally was on my deathbed running out of oxygen, I would, I would say it in that way. I was like, and, and it wasn't until we were literally probably 20 where I was like, look, this is where it's from. Stop associating me with this. Like I was getting pissed. I was like, this is not how I said it. Stop. So maybe that's part of it. But at the same time, like even when I, one of my most recent YouTube videos I had, I was going to use that. I can't even remember if I put it in there, but top 10 funniest scenes I did from Bond films. And yeah. I don't know if I included that one or didn't, but when I was watching it, I was like, this is just ridiculous. Like <laughs> the way he acts that scene, I'm like, oh my God. But that's, yeah, that's my least favorite. Goldeneye I think moment. for me, my least favorite part of GoldenEye, and it's not like an actual scene. It's, I just can't stand the soundtrack. Like it drives me crazy. Like I feel like I know that the 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 tank scene they read they had someone redo it right before the film came out, and that is the one moment and the one piece of score that like saves the movie from a you know a, a musical standpoint. Like it just it, it's funny how much music can make or break a film, and. I mean, there are parts where I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. But if you've ever sat down and tried to listen to that soundtrack and what the tank scene music would have been, I'm like, oh, it would have been a disaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that is an interesting. Like, there are some bits that I, like, I like the pre-credits stuff where Pierce is walking down the stairs and stuff and it's the Bond theme on these, like, steel drums or something. It sounds really cool and kind of Soviet. Oh, yeah. But then it goes downhill. But it's it, it's not even that it's just unlistenable, which I think it is, is like a relax, like I never put on the GoldenEye soundtrack to just chill right. out to, but it doesn't even match like important moments. It's like when Bond meets Xenia at the card table, the music is like romantic when it should be more sparring because they're having this dialogue back and forth, but the music sort of lulls you into thinking it's a romantic scene and the dialogue isn't romantic. They're kind of sniping back and forth. Similarly, when he has the conversation with Alec in the graveyard where he finds out he's the villain, the music's just so nothing. It's just mm -hmm. this low sort of nothingness in the background. You think this should be really, really exciting character moment and it's just not. Um, I guess uh, the fact that they waste the car is probably my least uh, favorite aspect of it. Um, it's not exactly a scene, but it's, you know, they set up this great car with the Stinger missiles and everything and then Oh, no, not even going to bother using that. Which Can you imagine if that happened in a Bond film now where they did all of this setup, like if Q did his thing like with the watch right. and it's like, oh, it's got a very loud bang or something and nothing, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> it just didn't. It's, well, it's kind of crazy. A little bit of that happened in Spectre, you remember? Like all these gadgets were supposed to be on the car and they weren't working and it was just kind of like, you know, it was like, oh, okay. Because like, yeah. like when you see like that gun barrel come out of the back of the trunk of the Aston Martin, you're just like, oh, mm. this is going to be good. And then yeah. it's just like, you got nothing. And then the music yeah. and you're just like, well, what was the point of that? Yeah, they no, had exactly. it, but Christoph Waltz got that, that budget portion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we got we to gotta cut that out. Sorry, it's not going to fly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that. The... No, oh. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the Xenia um, Admiral scene as well, like that, like sparked a whole other, like, I swear, like every 
like kid who watched that Bond film when they were like young has some kind of story attached to that scene. Mm -hmm. And that was like, it started this whole rumor at my uh, school and we were all like eight, nine years old or something like that, that um, if you have sex, a woman can basically choose to kill you if she wants. So it was like, it's that movie <laughs> Teeth. Like it yes. just women oh, can just God. decide. And that was what went around when we were like eight, nine years old in our school. And it was, oh my yeah. God, is this true? See, that's a perfect example of the difference between the UK and us. It would never, half the kids at our school, I would say, and this, no joke, 90% of the people in my grade probably hadn't even seen it. Oh, wow. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. I, I would stand by that all day. Wow. It's funny you mentioned that, Luke, because when I remember being in fifth grade and there was this Polish kid that was in, in my class and Tomorrow Never Dies had come out and he was kept talking about it and no one else would talk about it. And I'm like, I would talk to him about it. And I'm like, I didn't see it. I hadn't seen it yet at that point, but he was the reason I went to my dad and asked him to uh, rent it. And so it was funny because I was just like so pumped about it. Like, cause he was just like, all he talked about is like the BMW and he talk about like, you know, how the movie's awesome and how, bon and I, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, like, and he, he kept saying like, he's like, this gold game is related to this. And so, you know, you're a kid, you're trying to figure it out. But uh, yeah, it was, it was because of him. I actually went and we kind of poked my dad, like, can we rent this, you know, and then fell in love so interesting do you think a part of that is because he's like obviously the character is british so uh, you may I mean you know when i think of british action heroes i can't think of any others of that certainly of that longevity anyway whereas there's a lot of american sort of action movie heroes do you think that's a thing to do with it that it's just it's like a you know a relatability thing like when you're an eight-year-old british boy you do kind of want to be james bond with all the gadgets and the cars and all that kind of stuff whereas you well, have like different sort of frames of reference i guess i think in that stage of time it, it really was playing on his family you know like they mm. they had moved from you know europe to america and you know that's probably a family thing you know like i feel like back in the day it was more heavily influenced back in europe it was more of a thing to yeah. show your kids like a bond film you know versus here where it'd be like oh watch this batman film you know right. like i feel like that's something my dad would show me instead you know he wouldn't think to go to bond so in america i feel like it's de people are definitely more like parents are more like protective of what your kids are seeing at least back when we were younger i don't know about nowadays but back then i feel like my parents would avoid me seeing like you know pg-13 films until you know i got a little older so like eight and nine years old i wasn't watching you know things that had sex in and stuff like that yeah i used to um convince my grab because so the job my dad had before he retired he um would travel a lot like Europe wherever Mexico whatever and uh, I'd stay with my grandparents if if my if the if the location was interesting to my mom she would follow along usually and that was usually like Germany London you know whatever and um so I anytime my grandparents would watch me I'd convince my grandma to rent Goldeneye on N64 because she didn't know any better. And then, so I'd rent it, play the hell out of it. Then my parents would come back from wherever. My mom would see that I have Goldeneye and it was rated teen or whatever. So she'd take it and put it on the fridge. And then I'd climb on the cabinets, take it off the fridge <laughs> until I did it probably 30 times. And, and she was also never overly protective, but I just, I don't know what it was with that game. She was just like, no, trying to be, I don't know, mom of the year or something, but <laughs> I don't know. So, um, I mean, for me too, and I've discussed this many times over, 
I, I think maybe the best part about GoldenEye for me is the tie-in with the game. I don't think I've mm. ever seen a game in any franchise ever anywhere, even today, that's is so directly, I don't want to say shot for shot because that's a little much, but it's close. And I always thought that was so cool because it makes, as a kid, your imagination can run wild with that. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's like when you watch the film and then you like that facility level, like where Pierce mm -hmm. comes down the the stairs at the pre-credit sequence after he's been in the bathroom and it's just exactly the same. It's it's right. incredible how they replicated that. But I think it, it really worked to kind of make GoldenEye almost like a brand on its own, like aside from... Bond and normally if a Bond film does that I'm thinking like when the the name is just known in the public consciousness like Goldfinger for instance because I think so many people know that song and Diamonds Are Forever is another one um, I think Skyfall too um, but that's a video game doing that and obviously that's why they ended up remaking and reimagining and all that kind of stuff because it is just quite a lucrative title in its own I think mm -hmm. so <clears throat> since we're on this subject I want to pick your brain on this Calvin all right. <laughs> what are your hopes and dreams for this new Bond game we're going to be getting? Oh, I can't wait for it. I'm so excited, like equally to No Time to Die. But, uh, oof, God. Um, I mean, it's been so long since we had a Bond game and so long since we had a good Bond game. <laughs> just the fact that even if it's right. just like an average game experience that is that just happens to have Bond as the lead, like, I would be excited enough about that. Um like I, I still haven't played any of the Hitman games. I really should because there's one on my shelf. But um, I, you know, I've I've seen gameplay of those, and I guess they're going to be going for something similar, perhaps. Um, yeah, I, I just want it to be fun. I just hope it's not too, you know, dark and gritty. I feel like it might be, but um, yeah, I, I just want to have fun. I want to have driving levels. Um, I wonder if they'll do those. Uh, yeah, do you have any hopes and dreams for it? I'm hoping. I'm really hoping there's going to be some sort of like multiplayer online experience, uh -huh. like, like, you know, like call of duty. I'm like really hoping for something like that, that you can like level up certain things and acquire certain pieces and maybe have like a, um, you could use like set pieces and you can just do like teams. I think that'd be cool. Did you ever play that... any of the, uh, like the PS3 era games online? Did you yeah, ever play like quantum I... solace golden? I... Which was, I think there was one that did that. I can't remember what it was, but the problem was, is the interface was just terrible. Mm, um, yeah. What was it? I think it was, it wasn't, no, it wasn't Bloodstone. Oh no, I think it was 007 Legends. I think that was the one oh. that had the online gameplay. Mm. And okay. it was like, okay. The, mm. the, the idea was there, but it wasn't, you know, they didn't execute it right. Yeah, no, totally. Qu like Quantum of Solace had a really good online gameplay, surprisingly, but yeah. it, it was almost like they forgot to give it a Bond sheen. Like when you picked your character, you couldn't be any Bond characters. You were just kind of like these, you know, goons and yeah, you were going around right. some of the environments, but you know, that you couldn't, you know, you didn't pick up a Moonraker laser. I think they might've had a golden gun uh, mode, but it wasn't <laughs> the golden gun. I might be misremembering that. But um, I, I got quite excited about 007 Legends because they had that whole thing where you could be the villains and you were going around these classic locations and stuff. But then the game ended up sucking so much and no one bought it. So no one even went online on it. Right. And that was like one of the big problems. So like when when I when this comes to mind for me, I think about like Star Wars Battlefront. Like, oh, right. Yeah. If they were to do something like that, you know, like how there's certain parts where you can like 
acquire certain coins like when you're in the field of battle and then you can turn into like one of these super like a like a villain or like or uh like a good character like luke skywalker yeah. like they could probably do something like that but it's like at the end of the day everyone wants to be bond so i mean yeah. you just gotta kind of figure it out maybe you just make your own avatar and then mm. to become james bond it's like you acquire like some sort of like special power thing I think you don't have some weird rules about in multiplayer. Like I know on a game like Nightfire, which is going way back now, but when you played mm. that multiplayer, if a if a person selected Bond as their character, no one else could select like you know Pussy Galore or Waylon or stuff because Bond can't be seen shooting the uh, you know the good guy characters. And they had it on the N sixty four. The world is not enough as well which like completely eradicated like half the character roster because yeah, half of them right. are good guys and oh if one of you is you know sir robert king no one else <laughs> could be money penny for instance like so it it sucks in that regard um i can't remember was he a character in 007 legends or could you just be the villains i can't remember uh i think it was just you're just in Double Seven Legends, I think you you could select if you were like allies or enemies. Like you could, oh, right? You could select only. You can only be one person from that side. So like, mm. if I picked Goldfinger, like no one else could be Goldfinger, obviously. Mm. But um, I think that you could be like Jaws or something. And I mean, we have twenty five films. There has to be a whole list of characters you could put and just you know have a good side and a bad side, and you know that's what it is. Yeah. you know but at least in that this concept you have the ability to change you know mm. characters and like have an online experience um so like mm. kind of for me kind of a mix between battlefront and um cod would be like the ideal like yeah. online experience but yeah. with storyline i'm totally with you i want driving i want you know all aspects in there agent under fire 2022 you know yes I just watched your Agent Under Fire video today, the playthrough. It was like a nostalgia explosion. <laughs> it was so awesome, man. I'm telling it's you. so good. I got to find it and play it somehow. I don't know where. Yeah. I, oh, think, I, I, I think I still have my Xbox, to be honest with you. The only reason I have my Nintendo Wii is because it plays, because I had a GameCube at the time. And like the Bond GameCube games, like the only reason I still have that console. <laughs> like I, mm -hmm. I played it again, actually quite recently, like a couple of months ago, I played that in Nightfire and they still hold up really well. Like yeah, I think they, they really like, yeah, I, I'd probably rather go to play one of those than I would like N64 GoldenEye um, in this day. I think it's more because you feel like you're really playing through a, new bond film or a new bond mm -hmm. adventure because the storylines are original yeah goldeneye the only problem with goldeneye right now for me is i should get sick playing it on any tv you yeah. know what i mean unless the tv is like 30 years old as well then i'm just gonna puke but I have no fear Cause London is drowning and I I live by the river
I like a lot. 